0: It feels really strange that we've actually reached this point again already um, that it's time to launch the next salary survey. It seems like just yesterday that we, you know, we were putting together the one for 2022 um, and then analysing the results. And um, yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind because it's been different this year, hasn't it? We've, we've done webinars, we've been, um, you know, posting a, a lot more content surrounding the salary survey. We've released articles through our media partner, 3D Printing. Dot com and um, yeah it's been really great that we've been able to you know share that industry knowledge with the am professionals and employers that that we know and love um, so since it's that time of year again, why don't you start Nick with explaining to everyone for those who don't know what it is about what is the salary survey and and yep. yeah what, what does it tell us
1: uh, as you said the the salary survey gets bigger. And bigger and better every year, and I can't believe now that we are going to be launching our seventh report um, <laughs> in uh, in 2023, which, which is a you know sort of big milestone. But if I sort of take us back a little bit, the salary survey started out as a what we called a 10% project within the business. It was an idea for somebody um, who thought you know, this was something that the industry needed. You know, the industry was growing. There wasn't a lot of information and data out there about, you know, what were realistic in terms of salaries. Um, candidates' expectations could vary quite wildly. Um, what clients were prepared to pay would also differ as well quite, uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, we saw regional variations in salary. Um, we saw Um, uh, variations in salary across states within the US. And, you know, what we wanted to create at the time was a very basic guide that could help companies understand if what they were paying their existing employees was, you know, kind of fair market rate, but also that could assist candidates in understanding whether you know their expectations in terms of salary or what they were being paid were were realistic. and, and sort of what started out, as I said, as you know like a, a sort of a 10 percent project for somebody in our team has really now grown into this huge uh, report that encompasses not just salary data broken down by region and discipline but also encompasses um, data uh, and other key insights across different aspects of the AM industry. So now seven years on, what the um, salary survey includes is, is not just data about salary broken down by region and discipline, but it also includes lots of insights about the AM market as a whole we also put spotlights on you know, different trends that we see, so whether that's sustainability, diversity, or in this year's report, what we think is a big topic and something really in the spotlight, um, supply chain, and the impact of additive manufacturing within supply chain for organizations.
0: Yeah, exactly, as you just mentioned, aren't spotlight this year is supply chain. And I think it's interesting uh, to think about, cause I mean, at the start of this year, we kind of saw Makerverse come out of the closet, <laughs> if you wanna put it like that. And, and they've got a really interesting offering. And that's just one example of a company that is working on supply chain really, and where AM sits in that. So as you've also said, um, this year's report is our seventh consecutive report. So it's been seven years that we've been doing this now and we've, you know, analysed a lot of different trends in the hiring and, and talent market in additive manufacturing. So what do you expect from this year then? What do you anticipate from this year's report that might be different or, or you know, what it might tell us about this year's uh, talent and hiring market?
1: Yeah. Um, I think what was really interesting was that I think last year's report identified some segments of the market where we actually saw for the very first time salaries falling a little bit against where they'd been in previous years. But what we have to take into consideration was that we were coming off the back of the global pandemic. There's been a lot of displacement within the workforce, you know, through companies downsizing or resizing their operations. Um, So so I think last year's report might have been a bit of an anomaly. You know, what we've seen this year and I expect to see in this year from a sort of salary sort of perspective. and, and, And obviously we don't know until we sort of see the data, but certainly in line with obviously increasing cost of living. Um, you know, being driven by now other macroeconomic effects around, you know, energy shortage because of the war in Ukraine, we might start to see those salaries sort of rebounding and increasing again. I think what we've seen as an organisation, and it will be interesting to sort of see how this comes out within the data, you know, it's been one of our busiest years, you know, in fact, it's been our busiest year from a hiring standpoint, you know, so yeah. there's been a lot of activity in the market, you know, and and I think that it will be interesting to sort of see, well, how does that filter through into the data? You know, and obviously the report that we produce doesn't just include salary data. You know, there's a lot of data in there about, you know, sentiment, you know, sentiment of candidates, you know, what their motivators and drivers are, you know, but also for companies, what's important for for them. So it will be interesting to sort of look at the 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 what I would call non-financial data to sort of see you know how a company's feeling, how a candidate's feeling, you know whether you know they sort of see increase or decrease job security you know, whether that changes, you know, what their motivational aspects are towards changing a job, you know, what employers um, are thinking, you know, the, the report, you know, tells us how likely companies are to hire and at what sort of level. So it would be a good barometer for where the industry is at and, you know, how secure does the industry feel when You know, when we look at the macroeconomic environment, there's lots of talk about recession. You know, well, we haven't seen that yet in additive. The industry is still growing. There's still activity out there. But, you know, maybe the report will tell us uh, tell us otherwise.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have seen it slowed down a little bit since last year. If we look at especially M&As and uh, how they've been going through 2022, we saw it kind of, what would you call it, like a slope down a little bit in terms of acquisitions. But I think there's still been some surprising acquisitions this year. Like recently, you know, Carbon, they've made their first acquisition this year. That's an example. Um, So there is still activity. But like you've said, it will be interesting to see what the data can actually tell us about uh, the macro environment and what's going on in the additive manufacturing industry.
1: I mean, I think you have to split the year up, though, sorry to cut across, because I think we saw, obviously, huge proliferation of uh, M&A activity back in 2021. You know, there was a lot of money swilling around in the industry. We saw a lot of SPAC deals, um, you know, get away. Um, Obviously, that has slowed down a little bit. But I think in the first half of this year, we did see a lot of activity and a lot of investments. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you mentioned earlier Makerverse. I mean, that, that's quite a big, you know, uh, launch, you know, with significant investment from major industrial companies behind that. The Vulcan Forms, you know, another company who recently announced the significant raise of $355 million. And then, you know, as you mentioned there, the acquisition of Paramatters by Carbon. Um, so. There are still deals out there. You know, I think probably investors are a little bit more cautious than optimistic Mm -hmm. compared Mm -hmm. to last year. But for good companies with a good product, a good proposition, strong positioning within the market, I think there are still, you know, both investment opportunities out there and deals out there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Great. So going back to our spotlight on supply chain, since it's something that we've obviously been talking a little bit about internally and, you know, when we were deciding on what the spotlight was going to be for this year. I'm just a little bit interested for you to maybe share what you think the changing supply chain landscape will do to the talent market. How is it going to affect it going forward into the future?
1: Uh I mean, I think like we need to preface, you know, why are we, are we talking about supply chain? And, and I think you know, the obvious answer is during the pandemic, supply chains were affected. Shutdowns that have up until very recently still existed within China are affecting the supply of parts and components, you know, into manufacturing. As a result of that, organisations are having to think more broadly about their supply chain. Um, And as a result of that, I think additive manufacturing can play an increasing role in diversifying supply chains for organisations and helping organisations to perhaps nearshore or reshore production and have a more secure supply chain for critical components and parts, especially where additive, you know, can be, you know, deployed almost in an on-demand way um, near to where the production takes place. So it has a lot of advantages and, and, and that's why we talk about supply chain and that's why we talk about the impact that additive manufacturing has. But I think in another way we also think about well, how has supply chain issues affected additive manufacturing. There are lots of different ways that you know it's impacted you know whether it be on materials in particular metal powders or Indeed, those same components. Um, you know whether that's had an impact on the ability of machine OEMs to get orders out to customers. So you know, supply chain as a as a topic really does have quite a big you know impact in additive manufacturing. Whether it's you know for the companies in AM or how they can support uh, companies with their supply chain through their technology. So so that's the kind of preface. How do I think it will affect the need for talent going into the future? Well, I mentioned earlier Vulcan Forms, for example. Here's a great example of a company who are, you know, developing their own technology and then leveraging that technology to produce parts in the US. Mm-hmm. You know, so now I think with the additive manufacturing and the capability that the technology has, it's less labour intensive than perhaps you know, other traditional technologies. It can be, for the right application, more cost effective. It reduces waste. Now, with the sustainability agenda that's, you know, really in everybody's mind, why would you pay, and especially with the cost of fuel as well, to transport components or parts from halfway around the world when you could probably produce them more effectively in a local market? So that then presents uh, an impact or a challenge in that you're going to need skills and experience where the production takes place that previously might have existed, you know, in a low cost economy. Now, the type of skills you need will change. They're higher skilled individuals that you might require. So the impact that I see is that we might see a growth in the demand for process engineers, manufacturing engineers, Production managers, you know, people who are responsible for, you know, developing technology or producing parts, closer to where the consumer is, um, and 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 that might mean that the sort of talent market and the dynamic of the talent market within local economies will change. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that that that's one thing that I perhaps see. But again. You know this is something that we want to understand better through the report so yeah. you know that, that that's where the report will ask those questions of employers and individuals to sort of see what sort of impact they think uh, additive will have in supply chains and what impact you know supply chain challenges have presented to the additive industry
0: yeah perfect okay Great. So I guess we'll just round off by saying, you know, the report will typically take around or sorry, not the report, the survey will typically take around five to seven minutes to to complete, which, you know, it isn't a great deal of time for a 70 page report that will come out, um, you know, in January next year. But, you know, if you've never taken the survey before and maybe you're not quite sure about what it's about or if it's worth your time, why do you think that somebody should sit down and take those five to seven minutes to answer a few questions.
1: Well, I'm obviously, you know, biased about this, but, um, you know, let's take it, first of all, from the candidate's perspective. Um, You know, I think the data that comes out of it is invaluable for anyone, you know, who's working in the AM industry. Um, You know, it doesn't take long and, you know, you'll be one of the first then to access, you know, this really amazing document That provides so much insight and data. At the very least, as a candidate, it's going to help you understand where you're positioned in the market, enable you to benchmark your salary against the market. And that might support you, you know, if you're having to have difficult conversations with employers around, you know, increased cost of living and you needing to, you know, perhaps ask for a pay rise, for example. You know, this gives you some evidence that you might be able to use in those discussions to make those discussions. Less emotive and more objective, based on data and facts. So, so that's one way. But also altruistically, you know, the AM industry is full of really passionate people, and we all want to help the industry grow and move forward. So, by taking part in the report, you're contributing to something that's really valuable for the industry. So, I think for an individual contributor, that's one of the key aspects. Really, you know, you're helping to create a report that's really valued by the industry, and and that's what I would say. For an employer, uh, again, I think this is invaluable. You know, you are going to be having lots of conversations about salary, again, linked to cost of living um, increases that people are seeing. So in that perspective, again, it's better to be having those conversations from a position of knowledge backed up by data where you can be objective in those discussions with your employees. Secondly, I think the report for employers offers a lot more than purely the salary data. You know, in, in particular, you know, if you're an HR manager, it gives you so much more insights into what motivates talent. What are their key drivers when they're looking for a new role so that you can build your employee value proposition based on what talent wants. Now, in a competitive market, and we find that the additive manufacturing market remains very, very competitive, why wouldn't you give yourself that advantage of knowing what candidates really, really want? You know, for the sake of five to seven minutes to complete the report, you'll get first access to that report. No strings attached. You will be the first to receive it, the first to be able to action it and maybe still a march on your competitors and securing the best talent going forward.
0: Yeah, definitely. I 100 percent agree with that. I think the other thing to mention then is um, since we've got two surveys, maybe it's a bit confusing for people to know which one to take. There's one which we call the professional survey, which is for AM talent or people working with AM tech in the AM industry. Um, And then we've got the employers survey, which we've created to be aimed towards the HR manager, those with, you know, hiring power in an organization. And I guess the, the difference between the surveys is just that one, like you said, is is kind of the questions are are more aimed towards an individual contributor. So they ask for your specific um, opinion or experience or anecdotes um, when it comes to salaries or compensation packages or you know motivations for for moving career you know or or moving jobs. Um, The difference then for the employer uh, survey is that it it is looking at the organisation as a whole. It'll ask you, um, you know, what what the salary ranges are for all the different disciplines that you employ in the different regions that you employ. So if you're a multinational and you've got people in Europe, in North America, it's going to ask you for the salary ranges for all of those different types of disciplines uh, and regions as well. So. When you're choosing which report to do or which survey to do, sorry, um, it's just worth bearing that in mind. Understanding if you're you know, approaching it from an individual contributor perspective or if you are answering the survey on behalf of your organisation as somebody with, you know, power over the hiring um, landscape within the, within the business.
1: Mm, let's not forget you could be both. Yeah. you know um you know there will be many hiring managers in organizations who you know have that responsibility and therefore would probably complete the report as an employer but may also complete it as a individual contributor um, you know with purely their own data insights and information i think what's also important to sort of stress i think for anyone who is completing the, the the survey is that it is completely confidential so we aggregate the data across all of the different sources that we have you know we also include data that we derive directly from ourselves you know from recruiting hundreds of jobs a year we include that salary data alongside the data that we receive from employers and the data that we receive from candidates so there is no um and that there is no issues around your data um, you know, being not confidential in, in, in that case. Um and, and I think it's important because we often get asked that question. Um, you know, I, I think certainly from companies, um and, and indeed from in, in employees and, and, and individual contributors, is, is the data that we're sending safe? Well well yes it is. Is it confidential? It certainly is. Mm-hmm. You know, no, it's aggregated data that we use them for the report, and in, in no way do we use any individual data or, or represent anything specifically for an individual or a company. Um, so I think okay. that's just also worth mentioning.
0: Perfect. Great. well i'm certainly really looking forward to this year's uh, data collection period i'm looking forward to analyzing the results and uh, yeah getting stuck in and creating the next report for 2023 i hope it's going to be a really really good year i'm sure it is it gets
1: better every year and <laughs> um, i'm sure the seventh uh, the seventh report will be uh, the best one yet
0: yeah definitely couldn't agree more